0: Hello and welcome. I'm Eddie Gordon, courseware designer at Pragmatic Institute and today's host. A quick shout out at the top of our webinar today for a project that we're very proud of, the Pragmatic Alumni Community. If you haven't heard about that yet, you probably haven't been listening, but uh, the Pragmatic Alumni Community or the PAC is a members only exclusive online community you'll find everything in there from the curated library and peer discussions to member exclusive events access to our instructors as well the whole goal being so that you can spend less time searching for answers to product questions and more time implementing them there is a slide on the screen about the pack. I believe if you're quick, there is still an introductory rate of 30% off the list price for those who register early. So check that out at pragmaticinstitute.com community. All right. Our guest today is a self-described product process geek. He is in good company around these parts with a title like that. Uh, he is the founder of the Wind Loss Agency and principal facilitator at market driven business. He's here to tell us today how to understand our markets better than anyone else. He is a market researcher, workshop facilitator, and sometime drummer and synth musician. I happen to know that because nothing on the internet ever really goes away. Please welcome. Mr. Charles Topping, Charles, how are thank you? you?
1: Thank you, thank you. I'm doing fine, and and uh, my kudos to your research team for finding. <laughs> <laughs> We're a team of one over here today, but
2: thank you. <laughs> uh,
1: that's wonderful. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, just to get us started for the for today, I I want to take a moment to thank the team at Pragmatic Institute for hosting for uh, to Eddie and Sarah and Rebecca and the rest of the team. Um you know, I got my start in product with pragmatic marketing, just like almost everybody else here with foundations um and uh, taking foundations directly led me to the work that I'm doing today. so it's an honor for me to to be able to participate with pragmatic in this way today and to bring this back to the pragmatic community um very, very many years later now um so Eddie was kind enough to uh to give me a, a nice clean intro, so we'll skip over this slide here. Um, just to get us going here, so Nahito N- N- is a core—it's uh, a foundational principle of the Pragmatic Framework and how we work as product leaders. And so, what I'd like for you to do, participants, just to get us going here, is punch into the chat: What is Nahito? N- what does it, Who can reach back to foundations for us and punch up what Nahito N- means?
0: I don't get to answer, do I? <laughs> <laughs> is there a prize? Is there money?
1: You don't get to do that. Ah, okay, okay. We'll give a nice big shout out to Jennifer Wise for being the first one to come out with nothing important happens in the office. And that's, of course, uh, one of the truest things that we will ever believe in product. And so a key point for us to remember is that smart teams aren't just ready to learn from their buyers. Smart teams already know their buyers. Now, if you just just give me one moment here, I'm going to do a quick little aside. And I'm going to turn on my video, and I'm going to just... Uh, see if I can get this here. Now I keep over my left shoulder the question, are you ready to learn from your buyers? And this workshop today, you don't need to look at me the whole way. So this workshop today is going to cover that for you. It's going to give you the tools, it's going to give you the process, it's going to give you the understanding that you need to get there. And where does that information come from? Well, for the last five years, we as a team at the win-loss agency and then uh, the team at Market Driven Business, we have done everything that uh, you can do wrong in Nikito interviews. Um, we have learned from that, and then we've done it wrong again, and then we've learned from that, and then we've done it wrong again, and then we have learned from that. And so the contents of today's webinar are really more than five years of learning on what to do and what not to do, and then ultimately best practices that you can put into your own work every day as a product manager. And the one thing that I want to add is that um, it, uh, it takes a lot of time To do this, right? Or so you think, so let's get on with the presentation. So, what's the process? The process, it can be broken down into 3 individual steps. We're going to start with our research and the research usually involves interviewing buyers or users or influencers or other participants in the space uh, open ended questions. We're going to have conversations with them. Where it's really like a back and forth, just a straight conversation with what it is that's going on in their life, what their problems are very problem oriented. But as you'll see, a little bit later on, we'll be able to focus on a lot of other uh, parts of their experience in working with your organization. Once we've pulled together all of that research, then we're going to, uh, it's kind of like a big. Um, <clears throat> like a big pile of, of, of Lego bricks. They're just all piled up together. And what on earth does all this mean? It doesn't make sense. We just got the raw materials. And so it's in the analysis that we're going to put that together into a structure that makes sense for people that you can actually now use to pass on to the organization. And that's, of course, phase 3 of any uh, project. And that is uh, the reporting and the feedback, because um, if you. If you don't pass this information on to the organization, if change is not found through the work that you've done, then why is it that we're doing this work? Ultimately, the reason that we're doing this is so that we can affect change in the organization. So let's start with what NAHIDO interviews are really good. NAHIDO interviews are really good at discovery. They're good at learning things that you don't know yet, at better understanding. And the most important thing that I want you to remember with NAHIDO interviews is that they are contextual. They provide the context to all of the big data that you're already getting and so many organizations today um, use the information that comes back from their apps or uh, they're a SaaS service and they're watching how the users are, are interfacing with the software. They're working with it. Um, and as we do that, or even our Google analytics, if we're in more of a product marketing role, we look at that information and then we derive decisions from that. But what's ultimately missing from a lot of that information is. The why, why is it that that is happening? And so we end up divining why the why, the why is happening because um, we have to try and figure that out. So what Nihito interviews are so good at is providing that real world market driven from your buyer explaining to you why it is that they are performing the actions that they are. So these Nihito interviews will help you to contextualize your big data. But of course, Nihito interviews aren't good at everything. So what are they not good at? Well, they aren't good. At validation and that's because we as busy product professionals don't have enough time in any given day to um, talk to enough people to read some sort of uh, statistical relevance. Right? We can have a lot of interviews. We can confirm a lot of hypotheses. We can feel pretty good about where it's at. In fact, uh, performing interviews will help you to feel, yeah, oh yeah, that's right. We were thinking about that. Or, oh, we've just been talking about that last week, or, oh geez, the people in support have been telling us about that. And so it'll kind of confirm your hunches, but really until you go out there and use other messages, uh, methods like uh, consulting your big data or performing a surveys or other forms of validation, um, You know, you don't really know for sure. So again, we'll get back to Nahito interviews are really, really good at discovery, at learning new things. So you might ask, well, when's the best time to do a Nihito interview? All the time. All the time is the best time to perform a Nihito interview. Um, Things change, right? They aren't the same all the time. Uh, And even now with things changing so quickly, we need to stay on top of having these conversations and we'll get to how to help you with that coming down the road. So I wanna give you a really good pro tip here. Um, And that is to tie the research that you're doing in your Nikito interview to the research to the strategic goals of your business. And the reason that we want to do that is because oftentimes uh, product teams go ahead and make uh, an awful lot of research. They conduct interviews, they analyze the interviews, they learn all sorts of great things. What happens is they go to share it with the organization and then another team says, well, we've heard differently. We talked to the customer too and we have different information. And so then the product team becomes the only or the product marketing team becomes the only ones who are really paying attention to the product developed knowledge, right? Um, And so if you can get right in at the beginning of your project and you head over to a sales lead um, or another person that you know within that part of the business and uh, you get somebody from support or you get somebody from the development team and start asking them what it is that they want to know, tie all of that into the strategic goals of your business, then you've obtained operational buy-in for your research before you've even begun and now when you've actually developed research and you have something to share out those people are already invested in what it is Um, and that's a a key element of uh, being able to affect change within the organization which of course is ultimately the goal of all of our nihito interviews so to start us off here uh, with the workshop portion i hope everybody's had opportunity to download the link in the chat uh, make sure you download the document and have it open if you can on uh, kind of the right side of your monitor, a second monitor if you've got it, but have that open because we're going to uh, be working that through the rest
0: of this process. So what Charles, I we had a, sorry yeah. to interrupt you there. We had a few people mention that they couldn't access it through Google Docs specifically. I yeah. think most people can, but do you have uh maybe another link where they could access it? I know you had one where only a few people could access, but maybe those few oh, yeah. people could get it through that I don't we'll pause just...
1: for one let me pause for one
2: moment here, and I will I will get that for you um Eddie, while while we're doing that let's um let's chat shop a little bit sure um, what's a what's a good one for us to talk about um so,
1: Pragmatic has been uh, been conducting win-loss for quite some time, right?
0: Oh, yes. Uh, we have to drink our own Kool-Aid? Is that PC to say? <laughs> <laughs> Eat our own dog food. That's the phrase.
1: <laughs> um, you know what the fun part is? Uh, I do, too. I send… But the thing is, I don't. Um, because you can conduct your own uh, research, right? Um, but what can end up happening is that people feel a little bit on the reluctant side to, um, to be uh, totally openly honest, right? Uh, and I, that's okay. I understand why they would feel that way because uh, there are, there's kind of political things going on, right? So right. Having a, th- a third party do the interviewing for you can really help you uh, get,
2: um, I don't know, cleaner information is quite right. So I'm just going to send this to all attendees. Here we go. There you are, friends. Let's grab that and hopefully that's been a good opportunity for everybody to
1: Let's come up see. with what is it they wanna learn. And what I want you to think about with this, what do you wanna learn? It doesn't have to be like a big lofty goal. It can be something quite small, um, but uh, even just kind of what keeps you up at night, what is it that you wanna learn from your market? And the reason that I ask it is that, um, is that, when you're conducting this kind of research, it's a unique opportunity to hear from your market, right? And so you really wanna take advantage of that opportunity. And so there's something within your organization that says, uh, we really want to learn this. So just think about what that
2: could be for you as we get going back with our presentation again. And just give me one moment. And we're back. Thank you for your patience, friends. Okay, so, I'd like to reach out to you in the, uh... oh, geez, we're having somebody else who's having trouble connecting. Okay, all right, we'll,
1: uh, we'll see what we can do. Just follow along, I'll explain it uh, as we go. And if you've got a separate sheet of paper or you have a, a Word document open or something like that, I will be able to explain to you what it is that we're doing and you'll be able to follow along fairly well. Um, okay, so what I'd like for us to do as a group, if you can, punch into the chat and let us know how many of these six apply to you any number from zero through six just start punching
2: them in let's see and what i let's how many people does does this resonate with look at it go absolutely i am very pleased to see a few zeros and i would very
1: much encourage you all to find jobs at those organizations So what I want you to see here, friends, is that you're not alone in this, right? And so even as people who have completed pragmatic training, who are very focused on all of the ideals of what we want to do as product professionals, that we still face a broader organization where the loudest voice in the room wins, where we do these things because we've always done these things. Um, My job is to follow orders, right? That's all very real. That's real world stuff. Um, and so, uh, know that you're not alone. Just have a look at the chat for how many other people are facing exactly these, these issues. Right? Um, And so, why do our buyers buy from us? Well, um, feel free to answer this in the chat as I go through. What we hear, if you go to a sales lead, you say, hey. Why are people buying from us? Depending on the organization that sales lead might kindly say, well, we have the best sales team in the industry. They've been doing it for a long time. They know exactly what they're doing. Our stuff, we, it, we, it's just a project management situation. They know it so well that everybody is buying from us because of how our sales is working. And then you might ask the marketing team, well, why is it that buyers are buying from us? And depending which organization you work in, they might say, well, hey, this marketing organization is the best marketing organization in the world. That's why people are buying from us. You ask our friends in development, depending on your organization, they might say, well, wow, we're making the best product that's out there. It's got this bell. It's got this whistle. It does this. And then same goes for our friends of support. Well, we're just there for our customers. We care. That's why people are buying from us. Ask the leadership, depending on your organization. You have the most rock star, best leadership in the entire industry, and that's why people are buying from us. But as we learn in Foundations, your opinion, although interesting, is irrelevant. And that applies to us in product as well. That doesn't just go for everybody else listed on the previous slide. And there are plenty of product organizations that believe that the reason people buy from them is because they are the best product organization. But ultimately, the truth is that your opinion, although interesting, is irrelevant. And thank you
2: to Foundations for that. Our next truth is that the only thing that matters is what you market. Because our third truth is that your
1: buyers know more than your leaders, sales, and your development team do about why your product is bought. So what I want you to do is I want you to forget what you think you know about your market. Um, There are no facts, answers, or truth um, in your office or in your head. Um, And in your organization, when somebody has an idea, I want you to challenge each other to prove it. Because the truth of business changes. And how do you know someone wants your solution if you've never asked? And so our Nihito interviews are going to be our primary discovery. So you're going to say, well, we've tried this before. It took so long for us to try and get people. And then we do the interviews, and it takes us forever to get our notes together. And when we get our notes together, we go ahead and we do it. And we're talking like five hours of work in order to get just one interview in. Right? So you don't have time to do it.
2: But the truth is, neither does anyone else. Right? No one has the time to do it and so now the best way to learn from
1: your customers is to reach out and listen to them habitually with frequency and in an open format and so i would like to show you how to do that and we're going to be doing that in just about one minute but first i want to present to you the ideal organization and this is from and i'm willing to say this in front of this group of people this is from the smartest man i've ever met uh and i've met a number of smart Individuals and Sunday truly is the most intelligent individual that I've ever met in my life and I want you to imagine an organization where each thing that you learn instantly becomes a part of your business model so that any problems or shortcomings never happen again. The beginning of that and the, the the initiation of all of that concept is having a conversation. So, Please pull out your worksheet and on your worksheet at the top of the worksheet, I would like for you to set a clear, concise, deliberate and specific. Research objective. Okay, and for those of you without the document, feel free to write research objective at the top. So, what kind of things do we want to think about with our research objective? Oftentimes, when people do this kind of work, they want to boil the ocean, right? They want to know what problem can we solve, and that's the question that they ask. So, they put as the research objective, "What problem can I solve?" Or, "Why do we win or lose?" If you're doing more win-loss oriented work, why do we win or lose? And what you do when you're trying to do that is you're boiling the ocean. You've got something that's so big that you can't possibly properly answer that question. Alternatively, we might ask something that's not very much on the small side. So why is it that pro- customer X is buying this very specific niche thing about this very particular feature that we've got buried at the bottom, right? And then you get too small. So what I want you to do is I want you to find that Goldilocks zone for a research objective. And this really is going to be, we want to learn about this for this, okay? We want to learn about X, for why reasons, so go ahead and write that at the top of your sheet. Um, and Pratchy, that uh, comment that you just put into the chat, hold on to that for the question period at the end there, because that was very much like the. Opportunity. I made
0: a note of it, so we can bring that oh, back when we need yeah, to. I'd
1: like to. I'd very much like the opportunity to address that. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully, everybody has the, had the opportunity to put down a research objective. Um, just, it doesn't really matter what you pick at this point in time, right? We're doing this as an exercise and you can refer to this later and you can look at other ideas. Just get a a research objective down for yourself. That's going to be the absolute top level of what it is that you're learning. And so then we're going to move the next level down. And the next level down from our research objective are our topics that are going to help us reach our research objective. We need to define our lines of questioning. Okay, go ahead and write that as a headline if you're missing the, uh, the template. We're going to reach our research objective by asking about these specific topics. And so if we're looking for something that is a little more problem oriented, then we can ask about initiatives and drivers of solution seeking. If we want to know what the buying process is like for them, we can have questions that are specifically tailored to that. Um, Are our communications effective? How do we stand up against the competition or don't we? Where are we coming up short? What features do they have that we don't have? Um, How are we perceived before we started speaking with you? What did you think of us? How did you learn about us in the first place? Um, And then any sort of kind of miscellaneous things that you want to add. And so for the purposes of the template, we're going to write a few. Um, When we get to uh, uh, actually performing interviews, I just want you to keep in mind that you've got about a maximum of 30 minutes to talk to somebody, right? You've got about 30 minutes or so to have a conversation with them. And what that means is that you're maxed out at about 5 lines of questioning, because you've got time for about 3 to 4 questions per line of questioning. And so it's simple enough to just write down a laundry list. That's 3 pages in a word document that you're going to be asking these individuals. Um, but, uh, uh but what we want to do is narrow it down to something that we're going to be able to complete in a reasonable time. So, hopefully, while we've been having this conversation, you've had the opportunity to just pick 1 or 2 lines of questioning that you would like to use for the purposes of today's exercise. And like I said, it doesn't have to be perfect. Don't be worried about making something that's going to be uh, uh, top notch on day 1 here. Let's just have a. Have an exercise here for what we're doing. So now that we've got our, our lines of questioning. Now, we're going to get down to some very specific questions. And for the purpose again of today's exercise, what I would like for you to do is to pick one of the topic areas that you chose in the previous section. And I would like for you to write down two interview questions um, that ladder up into that topic. And so here are some examples on the screen that you can consider. Hey, Eddie. Yeah. Did you have a construction project that you were doing earlier this year?
0: I did. We're, we're calling it our uh, coronavation project, but it's keeping me busy here in the living room.
1: Right. So, friends, what I want you to hear there is I just asked Eddie a question that could be answered with yes or no. And Eddie answered, I did, in the affirmative, for a yes. And then Eddie was kind enough to add some extra information because we're having a conversation. But nevertheless, he was simply able to answer that yes. That's not what we want to do in our, in our, in our interviews, unless we just need some specific demographic questions. Um, how old how long you been? Or whatever you want to ask. Um, but what we want to ask is open-ended questions, questions that must be answered with long-form answers that provide as much information as you can get. Because remember, these these are our raw materials for performing our analysis. This is um we're we're building up that big pile of bricks. And so if we ask them questions that could be answered, yes or no, we don't get enough bricks by the end of the day. So make sure that the questions that you're using are open ended questions that'll last. And the 1 that I want to most draw your attention to is the 1 at the end. Which is why, why, why until they cry and I love this the 1st time that I heard it, and I've been using it ever since. And that's because, um. uh, Hey, Eddie,
0: yes, I'll try to answer only what I'm asked this time. How about that?
1: Thank you. Did you engage in a construction project during COVID earlier in the year?
0: Yes.
2: Why? I was hoping to add a little more
0: space to our living room. Why? Well, there was this weird wall that was kind of in the way, and I thought I could kind of knock it back a little bit. Why? It always bugged me. That there was this four foot wide half wall between the living room and the family room that seemed to do nothing but take up space. And so So I agree with Rosanna
1: that it very much sounds like a toddler asking why. But what I'd like to point out is by the third (laughs) lie, I understood Eddie's original problem, didn't I? Eddie's original problem is that that wall had always irritated him and he wanted to relieve that itch of the irritating wall and it, And I went from a question that was yes or no, which we don't want to ask with three whys to understanding what Eddie's actual problem was. and so it, it, you know it can seem kind of funny that that's the way that we're going to do it. but truthfully, it's the most important question in thehito interviews is the why and sometimes we get really cooperative um the participants, right? And sometimes they're a little bit on the less cooperative side. And so when they're feeling a bit less cooperative, that why really is your friend because it could even just get you one extra sentence that tells you that
2: that extra building block that you're going to need for your analysis. okay And so that's your question so,
1: We can't speak with everyone, so let's define our interview targets. So it doesn't help us if we're trying to find out why Eddie wanted to get into a construction project. If we start asking Sarah, what kind of car she drives. Right, and so we need to narrow down who it is that we're going to be speaking to. One of the ways that we can do that is we can pull a list of recent evaluators from Salesforce or from somebody on the sales team. However, it is that you're keeping track of your customers and your CRM, Uh, and we want to pull out some recent evaluators in the market. Some people who, within the last 60 days, have engaged your organization. Um, And I'll tell you why, because if you can remember the kind of like the… Um, the potentials, the uh, evaluators in the market and the, and the, um, the people who aren't yet in the market from the foundations course, those evaluators have recently looked at your competition. They've looked at every available solution within uh, the marketplace right now. They're intimately familiar with everything that's going on. And if you're only going to speak to one person, or if you're only going to speak to a few people, those recent evaluators are going to have the most information to be able to help you out. Now, maybe your research project isn't benefited by speaking with recent evaluators, but generally speaking, the recent evaluators have just finished looking at what the market has to offer and can tell you as much as you would like to know about most things, so consider those recent evaluators for what it is that you're doing. Um, Okay, so we have now, uh, we're just about 30 minutes into this call and it's called, how to Nihito interview like a pro? And please notice that we have not yet started talking interviewing. And that's because what makes a program, a Nihito program truly succeed, is the planning that you put into it. And as we go into doing an interview, we've laid it out on this uh, template that you've got you'll if you lay it out your questions with here's this topic here are these questions here's this topic here are these questions here's this topic here are these questions and if you ask the questions in the same order every single time then when you uh take your notes or you've got the information back after the call you'll find that it's already pre-sorted by category for you so that you can do your analysis conveniently. Now you can take five disparate people that you've spoken with and they're re- the, their answers are already pre-categorized for your analysis. And so what people used to do with me of interviews is they wanna go into a pure blank white sheet, right? As the most optimal way in order to gain information. And then you just have a straight conversation with somebody. And that's great. That's a good way to learn. And if you want to go for that very pure way of doing it, or you're just doing a couple interviews, or you're validating an idea that you have uh, on uh, that kind of like dream product that you want to create, then that can be an okay way of approaching these types of interviews. But I can't reinforce enough how for the busy product professional, if you want to succeed in regularly, habitually doing mojito interviews, how having a structure will take 30, 40, 50, 60, 70% of the challenges of performing this type of work out of what it is that you're doing, okay? Because everything comes pre-sorted. You don't have to think about what the next question is going to be. It is on the page. You don't have to think about what you're going to be asking about because it's already there. And if you come across a, uh, something that's interesting that wasn't originally in your line of question, you can always add that. You can always throw in a why and find out something new, but that structure is going to get you there. Now just before we move on from targets very quickly, I'd like to share with you a few ways that you, can, um, that you can get people to interview. So this is really kind of going to depend, but if you can think back to NASA has a slogan uh, that came out of Apollo 13, and that slogan is that failure is not an option, right? And so when we say, well, how do I find these people? I don't know, okay, we don't wanna do that. We can go into Salesforce and pull the people that we've just found. We can uh, look for um, uh, our, our personal networks. We can go through our professional networks. We can call whoever it is that we can call. That's going to get us to the next person. That's going to get us to the person that we want to do. And so that kind of tenaciousness and being able to track somebody down, I can't say enough about that because you're going to go out to maybe a 1 in 10 are going to respond to you, 1 in 8. Depending if you're in a kind of a, uh, once you get really consumer and kind of transactional, you could end up asking hundred people before you get somebody who's willing to participate if you're not incentivizing your program with gift cards
2: or something of the line.
1: But those recent evaluators, uh, they've been engaged with your sales team, and so you can ask your sales team to provide what's called a warm handshake or an e- an introductory email. That says my friend over here in product is looking to learn more about your experience and working with us. Would you mind just having a quick conversation with them? We'd really appreciate that as part of a continuous learning process. And then with that email, you can respond to that person and arrange for the interview to happen. And that's going to be your best chance for getting interviews is the last person that had an engagement with them within your the within your organization. Um, have them do an introduction for you, and then you can pick up the call. And you're gonna be able to do this all very quickly by working it that way. So yes, we are now 35 minutes into this and we haven't actually done an interview yet. So um, I'm gonna interview Eddie about his construction project. So what what I would like you to do is I would like for you to pull out a piece of paper or Word document or however it is that you would like to take notes. And I would like for you to take notes on what it is that Eddie and I are talking about. Pull out the main points um, in each of the lines of question that I ask, and you'll hear the lines of questionings is being differentiated. And I would also like for you to try and write down a pull quote for yourself, because the power. Of the interview is the next time you go into a pitch meeting where you need to convince people that you've done your research, you throw up a quote that perfectly encapsulates the idea that you've brought to leadership and you're going to be the winner that day. And so find that quote in what it is that Eddie and I are talking about that really nails down what his problem or how a solution could be found as part of the exercise. So Eddie, what uh, what problem were you trying to solve when you decided to reach for a solution?
0: Um, The main problem was adding square footage to uh, the living room. Can you tell
1: me a little bit more about that, please?
0: Yeah, uh, when we moved in, uh there was this weird 4 foot wide half wall between the living room and the family room that seemed to not do anything but take up space and it it bothered me so I uh I mean I considered hiring somebody but eventually uh, with my wife's uh approval and go ahead I got out a sledgehammer and YouTube and went to town on it <laughs> I was having that
1: how is having that in the way of your living room? How is that impacting your experience living in
0: your home? Um, frankly, the the living room, the place where you'd have guests come and sit, was um, very small. We couldn't fit a full couch against that wall; only a loveseat. So it was a little too cozy for visitors. Right. So, friends, that was our
1: problem-oriented section. That was our solution drivers. Why it was that Eddie was looking for a solution place now we'll move on to the next one eddie how'd you find potential solutions to your problem
0: um i looked around at prices to have a contractor come in and and take care of it for me uh, and i considered those and then i also looked up uh, you know some kind of do-it-yourself sites to see if it was something i was able to tackle uh, I asked around to a bunch of friends to see if they'd ever done anything like that to get their advice. That helped a little bit. Those are some of the some of the sources I looked. How did those solutions stack up against each other? The friends weren't much help. Not many of them had done anything like that. The uh, contractor, I'm sure they would have done a fantastic job. Um, it would have been much more expensive than doing it myself. Uh, and I ended up going that route, doing it myself, uh, for two reasons: the cost, and then I thought it'd be an opportunity to educate myself on on some types of renovation projects I hadn't done yet, and it, it worked out. Eddie,
1: you, did you consult other contractors, or just the one?
0: I I checked with a couple before I I did it. Their prices were similar to each other. Yeah, can you just explain to
1: us how those uh, contractors stacked up against each other?
0: Um, they were very similar in their abilities, what they could do. Their prices, as well, were similar, well into the thousands of dollars. But again, very similar. One was a little bit closer uh, geographically, so that that may have been a little more convenient had I gone with that option than the other one was. Um, actually, and that one that was closer also, uh, my parents used them for some renovations as well, so they were actually a referral
1: right okay friends so now we understand how eddie tried to source particular uh, contract solutions he was he found solutions for his problem by reaching out to his network by uh, searching out for contractors Um, and uh, so let's have a little bit of chat about uh, understanding what that buying process was like eddie Mm -hmm. how important was that referral from your parents in making your purchase decision
0: uh extremely important they were very happy with the job That they had done for them and, uh, you know, if if I decided to go with the contractor route between those two, the referral would have tipped these guys over the top. That that would have done it.
1: Right. So now we've got a better understanding of that. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Eddie about. What it's, uh, it was like actually working with it. So in, in technology, this is what was the, the implementation. Like, or what's the support, like something along the lines of that. Eddie, can you just walk me through kind of high level how the project went for you working with the contractor?
0: Uh, and, and I ended up, so I didn't use the contractor. I ended up doing it mostly myself and going to the home improvement stores.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry, so, I misunderstood
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back and forth. It was a lot of trips back and forth to the home improvement stores over the course of Many weeks, probably, if I had gone with the contractor, it would have happened quicker, maybe in a weekend or two. Um, but it took many weekends. Clear, what, was
1: the decide, what was the deciding factor
2: in the do-it-yourself versus the contractor?
0: Uh, mostly the price, mostly the price.
2: Okay, um, and uh,
1: what was your experience like when you completed the project?
0: Uh, it was a pretty proud moment. Uh, the whole family came parading downstairs and, and uh, looked on it approvingly and lovingly. And yes, it was, it was a proud uh, daddy moment.
1: <laughs> right. And so friends, now the last thing that we're going to do, we're going to check in with Eddie to see if he would recommend that process or that solution to a friend and whether he would be willing to do it again. Eddie, do you think that um, the, the solution works in such a way that you would want to recommend that to somebody?
0: Um, not everybody. But uh, if, if a person was, was confident enough that, that they could uh, learn how to do some renovation by watching YouTube videos, and if they had the time, which was a major factor, uh, then yes, I, I would recommend the, the way that it goes.
1: Eddie, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate your insights. Uh, it's going to go a long way to improving our XYZ. Eddie,
0: thank you. bravo, sir. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you
1: very much for that. That was great. That was really, really great.
0: Those high school uh, drama classes came in handy, right? <laughs>
1: um, so great. so that that is a, kind of the real feel of what a, an interview uh is like and how it can work when you're working in the same order every time, you're asking the same questions every time, and you can understand by how speaking with different people in the market how that's going to work differently. Now, I think what you all found was that taking notes about the important things that Eddie was saying was really challenging. And that especially pulling direct quotes from what Eddie was saying was really challenging because it just moves on. Um, And so I think you found that interviewing and taking notes Are not necessarily compatible with each other uh, and that indeed the process of taking notes. If you are the interviewer is going to get in the way of the free flow of conversation, not to mention the amount of time of your available interview time. It eats up. And so what we want to do is we want to record. And so, if the person is remote, you can use any 1 of the conferencing softwares that allow you to record record the interview, download the interview later. Um, and then if you want to, you can take the time to transcribe it yourself, or just now re listen to it and now take notes and do it. But what you'll find is that that's going to be eating up quite a bit of your time. When there are literally dozens of international transcription services that will do your work for 75 cents a recorded minute or less, um, and will provide you with a complete transcript of the entire interview now searchable indexable and ready to go for analysis. And so if we go through our project and we have 10 calls now, we've got 10 calls in put together. We summarize those calls We pull quotes from each 1 that are relevant to our topics. um, And that information is now put together in such a way that we've done it in a repeatable way. We've done it in in a way that um, it didn't eat up all of our time that we can keep on doing it. And we now have a searchable record of what it was that people said. Okay, and so now that we've pulled all of that together into a package, uh, we wanna tell anyone who will listen about what we've learned. Okay, Uh, we need to share this out with the organization because remember the goal of every Nahito program, every Nahito interview is to affect change within the organization, just like Sandeep said in his quote earlier in the presentation, okay? And so you need to tell everybody who will listen what you have learned. We also, because we planned a little bit, We got buy-in from everybody who need to listen to it in the first place before we even started talking to people and they're waiting to hear what we have to say. And now that we've done five to seven to 10 calls, we can actually do that. Now, just before we, we move into the very kind of final section of this, what I want you to know is that between five and seven calls will usually be right. It will directionally tell you what is going on. Okay, and so you don't need to worry about getting yourself up to 15. If you're doing a 1 off project with a very specific research objective, completing 5 to 7 calls will generally give you enough information to be able to go validate that using a survey or other method. Of course, uh, win loss is 1 of the boxes in the pragmatic framework. And if you're doing win loss, you want to be doing that absolutely on the regular talking to everybody that you can. And now that you've got this method of how to do it in a repeatable way that's very simple, then you can go ahead and, and get about doing that on the regular for yourself. So that is how to Nikito interview like a pro. Let's get to some, uh, let's get to some questions.
0: Yeah, we had a couple flow in in the chat. Uh, Just another call out to our audience. If you have more questions, you can stick those in the chat. Make sure you're sending them uh, either to all attendees, or you can send them to just myself, Eddie Gordon, uh, or you can send them over to Charles. Either way, uh, stick them there in the chat, and we will. Hey, there we go. we got them coming in already. So here goes, Charles.
2: I'm
0: going to, oh, we get to see your beautiful face. Ah, hey, everybody. Smiling. Here is a question that popped up early on from David, who sounds like he's got uh, a a unique situation. He says, our customers are local government managers who are often Mm -hmm. directed to buy based on the lowest cost, Mm -hmm. and they may be held tightly to that standard. How can we use win-loss with customers who may not be able to buy on any basis other than price, and then he adds, and they're not rewarded for giving honest answers if asked about their purchase rationale. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the thing is, if you know you're always losing on price, you need to sharpen your pencil, right? Like, not to put on my business consultant hat instead of my interviewer hat, yeah. but that's that's really what it is. But the truth is that that's not really what's happening. They're not really just buying on price; they're buying to spec and on price, right? And so you might be concerned that your competition is, um, uh, is, is cutting corners, right? They're not doing as much stuff. That's how they're able to get to that price. Um, government individuals sometimes are not permitted to speak about what's going on, but other times they are, and so the only thing you can do is really ask about it. Um, And I highly recommend trying to get a hold of those individuals and have that kind of broader structured conversation about what drove them to do it, how they found potential uh, vendors, what uh, marketing materials they consulted. Did they work with a 3rd party consultant? Um, What now that they're actually getting into implementation with not you, are they getting what they expected? Is it working properly? Find out what it is that you can. And if you need to sweet talk these people, you go ahead and you sweet talk these people. If you need to incentivize them in order to have a conversation with you, you do that, right? And if you're meeting them in person, put your phone down, put your camera on, press record on video, and let it sit for the duration. Trans, have that transcribed later or get an app that does specific for recording, whatever. Um, but have that conversation because oftentimes when they're just competing on price, they aren't. Mm-hmm. Or you might find that edge within the competitive set.
0: Any specific recommendation for working with government plays? Is there is there any different there than in the private sector?
1: Um, so uh, I'm going to say there is a bit in the sense that they tend to be in a fairly bureaucratic organization, right? And so um, finding the person that you need to speak to can be a little bit more on the challenging side. Um, we take advantage at the win agency and market driven business, we take advantage of every interview. So we get a customer list, we reach out or they reach out, help us give us the warm handshake that we talked about, that kind of jazz. Um, and then we get the person who's just to the left of the ideal individual that we would have liked to have spoken to. And that'll happen to you too, but that person still has something to say, right? And so in the government organization, you're just plain more likely to get somebody who's a little bit left to center because they're so bureaucratic and big. Um, That getting to that one person who was the influencer or that one person who was the decision driver and buyer
0: can be a little bit on the challenging side. Beautiful. Are you ready to tackle uh, Prachi's question from earlier? I made a note of it here. Can you what it was, please? That was, if you reach out to your customer, they spend time complaining and asking for faster horses. We cannot deliver all that because our no, backlog no. is already no, committed.
1: Probably, I'll, I'll respectfully disagree with that and say um, that the faster horse argument um, is, uh, it's dated, right? It's not real. Because uh, when we ask them what is going on in the way that we just did in the interview that we talked about, um, we're going to get information that isn't about them telling us that they want a faster course. And truthfully, it's our job and product to be able to convert the raw information of here's what the market needs are into an elegant and interesting product, right? And so we you can't look to them to give you the solution. They look to you. You just need the problem from them. Right. And that's what we're looking for in the interviews. We're looking better to understand them, what their experience was like, trying to find a solution from the drivers, how they found people, how they stacked them up against each other. And now that they're doing something, what that experience is like.
2: Yeah, there you
1: go. If they're just complaining, you're not owning the interview. Like when Eddie was doing the interview, if he kept on talking and I about something that was useless, I would have gently interrupted the man and steered the question, the conversation, in the right way. And if he's being obstinate and not answering, I mean, I um, I I still do calls. I did one the other day, and this guy did not want to be on the call. The only reason he was doing it was because he was incentivized with a hundred dollar Amazon gift card, and he gave me one sentence, terse answers for everything that I asked. And I just worked the guy. <laughs> You know, I could have sat there and said, "Why are you even on the call, man? What, why, Like, you're not giving me anything. Why are we doing this?" Um, and instead of being that way, I just worked that guy. Why? Why do you think that is? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? What, what does? Can you just explain that a little bit more for me, and so on? And that ended up being one of the best interviews out of that project because he really said no to that company. He did not want to work with them, and the only reason he was talking to me was because I was paying him to do that at the rate of $200 an hour. Um, and so, you know, if they're just complaining and not telling you the information that you need to know, then you as an interviewer need to step up and do more.
0: Um, it looks like Amanda in the chat just recommended cupcakes as an incentive. Oh, also. there you go. Amanda. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> There are some good ones flowing in here. Uh, related to what we were just talking about, Tania uh, asks, I hope I pronounced that right. Sorry, Tania. Tonia asks, have you ever had interviewers who were resistant to being recorded? What can you do about that?
1: So, yeah, and that happens uh, infrequently. Um, generally speaking, if people are willing to participate, they're willing to record. Um, if somebody says, I don't want to be recorded, then you can, as a first intercept, Say, okay, this is private research. This isn't going anywhere. This is only within our organization to help us get better. Um we uh it's not going to be made public. Your name will be associated with what it is that you're saying. And oftentimes you can chip away at some of the people who are feeling reluctant. The fact of the matter is you're eventually going to come across somebody who is willing to talk to you but not willing to let you record it. And so in that instance, you just plain have to bite the bullet, pull out your notebook, and do your best in scrambling while still conducting the interview
0: uh charles here's a timely one from eric that just came through says considering the current COVID 19 environment can you provide any best practices for conducting nihito calls virtually or just by phone instead of person how do we do that these uh
1: okay so uh if we walk through the entire process um the vast majority of the preparatory work doesn't involve being in an office um the solicitation of the interviews doesn't need to be in an office. You need to get a list of the people that you're going to be speaking to. You can send out individualized emails if your read list is small enough, or you can send out larger emails. Picking up the phone is free friends. It's right here. All of us have national uh, long distance calling. And if you don't set up a Google number and start making uh, you know, free international long distance calling, however, it is that you need to do it. Um, ultimately, the process of, of conducting the interviews is exactly the same um, working remotely as doing it in person. In fact, the only thing that I would do in person is that I would have my questions on a sheet of paper in front of me, and I would be recording directly onto my mobile device.
0: Nice. Okay. Here's, here's a pulling back to sort of the implementation of a Nihito program. Uh, Joy asks, how would you roll out a Nihito program to a team of 15 to 20 product managers, all of different levels and experience, and how do you manage that? program once you get it going
2: well
1: number one i'm really glad you asked and number two the answer to that is that pragmatic offers a market discovery lab that is a one-day workshop that spins up all
0: 15 people very nice and concise here's uh here is a question from elizabeth who asks oh this is uh back to our worksheet that we were using Earlier, yeah. how do yeah. you distinguish between the lines of questioning versus the detailed question? What's the difference between those two categories?
1: So, top topics versus specifics, right? So, we were generally speaking about uh, decision drivers or about ways in which they found vendors. And so, you can write 15 different questions that narrowly get down to how they found vendors. Right? Did you use a consultant? Did you use search? Um, Did you use your personal network? Once we get to that, how influential was your network? What uh, resources did you consult? Uh, Looking at Gartner and the like. Um, Once you get into your your product specifics, uh, you know, what features really matter to you or even in the competition. What what does the competition have that we don't? How did the competition get your attention in a uh, when when you had them in for demos what did the other guys do really well that we didn't do very well or what did we do really well to differentiate ourselves from them right and so the line of questioning is the topic but those individual questions there can be very many of them that ladder up into that specific kind of subset
0: Charles we've got so many good questions coming in and we are almost to our hour mark I'm gonna let's see you're going to give them uh it looks like you had your email address up earlier was that the Yep. is it all right if folks reach out to you there if they have questions we didn't get to i would very much like for people Quiet.
1: to the contact the market driven business and we can talk there yeah
0: there beautiful that was the charles at market business email yep. beautiful i'm going to ask you one last question here that we kind of like to wrap up with sometimes um it is this one if you were to have our audience today do two things differently you can only pick two uh based on what we've talked about today what would those two things be charles
1: i want you to perform an interview this week i want you to do it right now and whether you're afraid you don't know how to do it um you're concerned you're going to butter it find a safe customer and there are safe customers out there who like working with your company you have a friend within the organization Reach out to that individual and conduct an interview and get over the I don't know how to do it, the I'm afraid, the I'm going to screw up my questions, the I'm going to talk too much myself, these types of things, right? Um, and uh, secondly, uh, actually record and analyze that interview. Have it transcribed. Don't uh, just try and do it yourself. Send it to a transcription um, and look at what that is because you will be so refreshed to see how much information about your
2: work these people are willing to share with you if you just ask about it.
0: Beautiful. It's a gold mine, gold mine of information.
1: Gold, veritable, a veritable gold mine. I'll put your last slide back up there. for
0: Charles, this has been so fantastic. Thank you so much for your experience and for your advice. Uh, We'd be silly not to implement it all. So listen and heed well, our audience. Um, I'm just going to mention our next product chat is going to be Tuesday, June 30th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. And we will welcome Dr. Kenya Odur, Managing Director of Lean Geeks. She'll be discussing the creation of user narratives and opportunity statements. So tune in for that one. And of course, if you have more questions that our Pragmatic Institute instructors can help you with. You can always join us every Friday at 1:30 PM Eastern time for office hours with a pragmatic instructor. Find more information about that on our social media pages. But in the meantime, Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a fantastic rest of your week and stay safe and healthy. We'll see you next time.